0: Welcome to On Purpose, a podcast designed for all women that want to live this one messy, hard, fun, challenging, and exciting life we've been given on purpose and with intention. It is our heartfelt belief that women do that better when we're together, better when we are connected, better when we learn from each other. Each episode, you'll be hearing from Elizabeth and a guest on a variety of ways that we can be more intentional with our lives. We hope to inspire you and encourage you as we engage together On Purpose. Here's your host, Elizabeth Pearson. Welcome to On Purpose. This episode we're going to do something a little different. Instead of having a guest with us, I'd like to share about some things that I've been thinking about and working through regarding attitude, particularly my attitude. I think it's vital for all of us to understand the magnitude and the importance of our attitudes, and not only that, but the effect it has on our lives and those we interact with. So, Let me explain. Recently, I had the privilege of going back to my favorite place on earth. It's a place tucked away in the mountains called Camp Greystone, and it's in Tuxedo, North Carolina. I worked at this camp for eight years and even got married there in 1998. And I am just telling you, there is no place like this place. And on my drive back to camp, I was with my husband, David, and our youngest two children. We like to call ourselves the Final Four, because you see, what used to be the 10 Pearsons is now. Down to the final four. And as we were driving to camp, I was reminiscing about my time there and I was telling them about the people that had impacted my life and the lessons that I had learned. And I think I even told them a few stories about the trouble I got in while I was there. I told the kids about our dream wedding that was at this magical place. And I wanted a big wedding, and my husband is more of a smaller wedding type of guy. So, in an effort to compromise on size, we did not get married in my hometown. We got married about 11 hours away in the foothills of North Carolina at camp. It was incredible. I figured this way I wouldn't have to leave anyone off the invite list, but most likely not very many people would come to a wedding that far away. I guess, however, when you send out invitations to a weekend wedding at a place like this place full of camp activities and food and housing, more people will come than you think. So... We got married at camp with 383 of our closest friends, and we left on a 1955 Chris Kef boat under a sky lit up by fireworks to the sound of the Hallelujah Chorus. I guess my mom was over the moon excited that I had finally got married. It was absolutely amazing. This camp is one of the most beautiful, peaceful places you'll ever find, and I like to imagine it's a little slice of heaven on earth. But that is not why I love it so much. And the history there is so rich. It opened as a girls camp back in 1920. It's been passed down in one family through four generations. It survived through the depression, through world wars, through the polio epidemic, economic upheaval, and so much more. But that is not what makes this place so incredible either. It's the people that make this camp so amazing. And one of the people that I've been thinking about so much lately was one of the camp owners and director, a man by the name of Jim Daddy. Clever enough, he has a son by the name Jim Boy. I know it probably sounds a little like the Waltons, but trust me, completely different type of family. Jim Daddy made everyone feel special, and he made everybody that he came across feel welcome. He had a charisma about him that made me want to be just like him, and to know him was to truly love him. And this man, Jim Daddy, was absolutely one of a kind. He had the kindest smile, and he never forgot a name. According to the world standards, you would say he had it all. He owned a wildly successful business, had ample money and staff at his fingertips, yet you would find him after every meal sweeping the dining hall with the men's staff like he was getting paid to do it. And I'm not talking like a small kitchen that would just take a minute. I'm talking about one that held about 500 campers and counselors. And he would just roll up his sleeves and he would get to work like he was a first-year teenage employee. He taught me what it meant to be a servant leader. He always led by example. And he showed me that a leader worth following is one that exudes humility. And he always had a great attitude. He certainly wasn't exempt from heartache or difficulties, but even still, this man always had a great attitude. And he taught me that a great attitude is a mindset. We started each day at camp with him asking all of us, what kind of day are you having? And we would all respond with, a great day. And then he would ask us, and how do you feel? And we would all scream, terrific. As corny as that sounds, it really did set the tone for your day we couldn't help but smile. We were literally declaring our mindset each and every morning. And as I got to know him better each year, we would have meaningful conversations that personally affected me so much. Consistently over time, I was able to see that for him, this was not an act. It wasn't something he put on like a show in front of campers and counselors. He lived like this behind closed doors. And he was so generous with everything he had. And he would let me go up to his house and use his treadmill And in front of his treadmill, there was this quote, I'll never forget it, by Chuck Swindoll. And every time I go up there, I would just stare at that quote because you have to remember this was back in the day and age before Netflix and Apple Music and podcasts. So, as boring as it sounds, you literally just walked on the treadmill in silence. And so, I would just look at this quote. And when I was looking at it, I knew that not only had he memorized it, but I watched him live it out every single day. And since I wanted to be like him, I memorized it too, and almost 30 years later, I still have it memorized. And maybe you've heard it, it goes like this. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than success, than failures, than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. That's good stuff, right? In theory, yes, because lately, though, I have to tell you, I have not had a good attitude. There's so much gut-wrenching heartache and suffering all around me, not to mention lots of change. And for those of you that know me well, know that I don't do very well with certain kinds of change. And yet still, Jim Daddy taught me that I have a choice every single day. Life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And he's right. We have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. I recently came across a quote that said, when you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to it. When you can't control what's happening, challenge yourself to control the way you respond to it. In those moments, we have a choice. In those moments, I have a choice. I want you to hear me for a minute. I am not saying that we should just choose to put on a happy face and fake our way through a painful situation. I know some people right now that are living through some of life's greatest tragedies and I am not minimizing their pain and I am not minimizing their suffering. I'm not talking about major circumstances like those. Although even yesterday, a friend of mine experiencing immense suffering, the unthinkable, modeled for me that it can be done even in the most difficult situations. She chose a mantra, and her mantra is a song by Ellie Holcomb, Find You Here. And when she starts to spiral and her focus on, is on all that's bad, she chooses to focus on that song. She's choosing where her focus will be. And as we know, what we focus on expands. What we focus on grows. Now, I know for me personally, it doesn't always take something major to send me sideways. It's easy to let something small ruin the rest of my day. And yesterday morning was one of those days. I woke up expecting to go on a fun day excursion with my family that I had been looking forward to all summer long that was canceled. And I'm going to be honest, I flat out had a bad attitude. I did. I stumbled down to get my coffee only to find out that I had no creamer. And then I sat down to my desk to work on a few things and pay some bills and uncovered a reoccurring auto debit for something we never authorized in the first place. And the bank is not refunding our money. And so then I went to watch my favorite TV show on Hulu, but our Internet was out. And we called and they can't get here for four days. You ever have days like this, like nothing majors happen, but you're just in a funk It is so easy for me on days like that to wallow and let my thoughts spiral down a path that does me no good. And yet yesterday I had a choice. I could continue to wallow or I could embrace a different attitude. The choice was mine. I took a long walk and was talking to a friend, or I guess you would say venting to a friend on the phone, telling her about my morning and How I was in a funk and I was frustrated with myself because I know that these are first world problems. And she said to me, Elizabeth, it's okay to be upset. You were looking forward to this all summer and you're disappointed. What you're feeling is disappointment. And that's okay. Just don't stay there. And I needed to hear that because I needed to know that it was okay to be disappointed and then choose to find the good in my day. Every day might not be good, but there is something good in every day. Now, I wish I could say that on a scale of 1 to 10, I chose to have a 10 kind of attitude. Let's just say that I didn't. I wallowed a little too long. uh, And because of that, I missed a friend's birthday. And I missed out on a lunch that would have been good for my soul. I didn't choose the better choice yesterday. I didn't choose to have a good attitude. And even though I'm not the poster child of the Good Attitude Club, you're probably wondering, why are you talking on this? I want to talk about this because I've discovered for me that it's more beneficial to share what I'm learning in the present moment rather than what I've learned in the past. But being authentic and vulnerable and real, it it can be scary because it is much more difficult to show you an open wound than it is to show you a healed scar. Does that make sense? It's much more difficult to share a current area of weakness in your life than it is to share how you have already conquered something from your past. So I did not get the blue ribbon for my attitude yesterday. We've already established that. But this morning, I got up and I realized that I have a choice regarding my attitude that I'm going to embrace today. So I again went on a walk, but this time I listened to a talk by Mel Robbins on the power of your attitude. And I'm not going to lie. At first, it sounded so hokey. She started out by saying something like, if you stay positive in a negative situation, you win. If you stay positive in a negative situation, you win. And I'm thinking, what are you winning against? And she said, you're winning the war against negativity. You're winning the war against stress. And she said, it's sneaky. Negativity creeps into every area of your life. It affects your mind, your blood pressure. And before you even realize it, you started to succumb to it. And it can even change your character. You can begin to snap at your kids or your coworkers or even the innocent waiter. And you can begin to feel stuck or on edge or tense. She then went on to explain the importance of building a good attitude as a habit. And she kept using the word habit over and over again. And she explained the science behind a habit like this. She said, it's infectious. It inspires other people. Just like Jim Daddy inspired me and countless others. And from a mindset perspective, it will help you spot more positive things to focus on. And she teaches that this is a strategy. It's like a game plan, a grounding tool born out of cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And again, it sounded a little hokey to me, but I thought to myself as I was walking and listening to her, the same mind that got me here can't be the same one that gets me out. The same mind that got me in this funk cannot be the same mind that gets me out. So, in other words, I have to do something different than I'm currently doing. And for her, what she recommends is what she calls the five, four, three, two, one. So it looks like this five, immediately name five things that you can touch or see that bring you joy. So I paused her talk. And like I said, I was out walking on my street and I said out loud, Five things that I can touch or see that bring me joy. Number one, my daughter that was driving past me to go on a walk with a friend. Number two, the two Bambi deer with their mama deer on the side of the road. Number three, the chirping birds that seemed to follow me on all my walks. Number four, the cold propel that I left in my mailbox to drink because it was so hot that morning. Number five. My new walking shoes that keep my feet from hurting. And if you've ever had feet issues, you know how much joy a good pair of shoes can bring. Okay, as weird as it felt talking to myself out loud, step one was complete. I was glad about that. Five things that I could see or touch that bring me joy. Now on to number four. Four compliments that I can give myself or four things that I can say I'm proud of. And, you know, I almost stopped on this one. I don't know why this is, but it is so much easier to compliment someone else than it is to compliment ourselves. Why is that? I guess that's another podcast for another day where I can bring in an expert. Anyway, I pushed pause again, and as awkward as it was, I was able to come up with four things that I could say out loud that I was proud of. Number one, I'm proud that I'm out here walking by myself in this blazing hot heat. Number two, I'm proud that I'm listening to this podcast on the power of attitude when it is the last thing I want to be doing. Number three, I'm proud of how intentional I've been with my kids lately. And if I'm honest, it took me about another half mile before I could muster up a fourth one, but I eventually did. Number four, I'm proud of the fact that ever since our podcast on Loving Our Neighbors Well with Heather Holloman, I have been doing such a better job. And I'm proud of the growth with that. So glad that step was over. She moved on to number three. Name three people that you love that you're going to reach out to this weekend or in the next couple of days. So I decided on my three. Number one, I'm going to reach out to my best friend from elementary, middle, and high school to tell her what I'm working on and see what she's learning. I always love my conversations with her because she is always learning and growing and teaching me things with such depth. Number two, remember the friend's birthday that I missed? because I was wallowing in my own funk, I'm going to reach out and apologize and make it up to her. And lastly, number three, I'm going to call my dad because we haven't talked in a while. And so we were on to number two, two things you're going to learn this weekend. She said that this one really brings you in the moment because it makes you have to stop and think. And I know for me, this was good because I had to really give it some thought. And since we can't think two thoughts at the same time, guess what? I wasn't thinking, woe is me. I was thinking about what I was going to learn this weekend, and it was actually good, and it took me a minute to think about them. And this might sound weird, too, but I'm going to learn how to edge my grass. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to do the outside yard work. That was for my brothers to do while I was inside doing the dishes and ironing and other such things. But I love yard work, and so I mow and weed and I plant flowers, but I have never learned how to edge with a weed eater, and at least not in a straight line. So that's one thing I'm going to do. And the second thing I'm going to do is learn how to escape duct tape. I hope I never need to know how to do this, but after all the crime shows we've been watching, one just doesn't know. So that was five, four, three, two, and lastly 1. And for this one, she tells us to say out loud this little mantra. I'm okay, and if I have a positive attitude, I will win. And I'm going to be honest with you, that one just didn't sit right with me. I didn't resonate with that one. I think it was the win part or something. I'm not like in it to win it. I don't know. Maybe it works for you. And if so, that's great. Maybe your mantra will be a song, like like I told you about my friend earlier, or maybe a different quote. For me, I thought about it for a little bit, and I created my own mantra, a little ditty from the late Jim Daddy that he used to share to help us keep the focus on the positive and not on the negative. So in these moments... And when I'm doing the 54321, my mantra is this As you travel through your life, whatever be your goal, keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the whole. As you travel through your life, whatever be your goal, keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the whole. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that on each episode, we ask a question about how we can be more purposeful in whatever area we are discussing. So, to ask this question, what is one thing we can do to be more purposeful and having a good attitude? For me, today, it was the 54321. And for the most part, it was easy. It was a little weird, but it was easy. And after my walk, I came home and I showered and started reaching out to my three people. I can't edge until tomorrow because apparently it requires some type of special gas or oil or something. I'm not sure. But I'll keep you posted on how that goes. And in the meantime, if you need to know how to escape duct tape, I'm your girl. So today was day one for making the 54321 a habit in my life when things don't go my way or when I start to get in a funk. Because, as Mel says, when you develop a routine, you're creating predictability. And predictability gives you emotional stability. And this strategy will help us embrace a good attitude. Just like Jim Daddy taught all those that knew him, attitude is the key. So, the next time when things go a little sideways and you're tempted to wallow in all that's going wrong, maybe you too can use the strategy of 54321. And if you do, shoot me a message and let me know. Or if you have another way we can be purposeful with our attitudes, I'd love to hear that too. And as we wrap up this episode on my ramblings about attitude, I want to leave you with this one more time. As you travel through your life, whatever be your goal, keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the hole. In honor of my friend, Jim Daddy, have a great day.